welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. In each episode, we'll be speaking to leaders in business and digital across a range of sectors, from retail to media, education to innovation, and many more. So sit back and enjoy. Today, I spoke to one of the best-known figures in digital media, Mary King Dawson. Mary made her name in the 90s and 2000s, working for some of the highest-profile businesses, her outspoken and forthright nature stood out in often male-dominated environments, and today she does a lot of executive coaching. She was recently named one of the drum's 25 women who shape digital too. So listen as I ask her about her career and her views and take on the industry. Mary, good morning. Thank you for joining me. Uh, good morning, Dan, and how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well indeed. Thank you very much. Brilliant. So we've got you here today um, to talk uh, mainly about your career in advertising and digital and how uh, that's evolved uh, over the years. Um, So I believe it all started in Fleet Street in the 80s in advertising. Is that right? It did, yes. I uh, left university and like a lot of people didn't really know what I wanted to do um, and I stumbled upon a little-known publication called The Observer Newspaper. Um, And some crazy woman who at the time was the sales director there gave me uh, a lucky break and uh, said, you've got three months to prove yourself. And uh, that's what happened. So I went to work at The Observer on the Sunday supplement and uh, was thrown very much into the deep end. Um, And at that time, uh, Fleet Street was going through one of its first of its many revolutions, Um, as we were seeing the advent of uh, desktop publishing emerge. And I I always say that desktop publishing was kind of the early version of the internet Mm. because uh, it enabled people to actually, you know, it lowered the barriers to entry for publications. And um, very quickly after, you know, a very short period of time, lots of entrepreneurs in the publishing industry started publishing their own magazines uh, because it was very cheap to do so. And I landed up going to work uh, for a company called Redwood Publishing, which was uh, the very early doors contract publishing company Mm -hmm. that went on to become the world's largest. And that was an incredible experience uh, working with, uh, you know, working in a company where they basically were very focused on culture and embracing innovation and really being proud of who you were. And, And I learned probably more working for, uh, Mike Potter and Christopher Ward uh, than I ever did on Fleet Street. It was a great experience and one that I've used to uh, as much as I possibly can over the last 30 years. So, yeah, that was my start. Super. Um, so what intrigued and excited you about advertising initially? Why did you want to get into the business? Well, I mean, I think uh, I was... Um, I was deeply inspired by the combination of content and commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like most uh, students, I didn't really think very much about, you know, where money came from from the point of view of, you know, industry or commerce. Mm. Um, you know, I'd had a, I'd worked in, a, you know, shops on Saturdays and kind of made, you know, money that way when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and was student but when you actually kind of went into the world of work um the fact that you could make money and do something creative i found extremely inspiring and obviously you know that kind of creativity and and choice to make 
uh, to become someone who built things um, and created things was obviously something that appealed to me personally very much. And I was very fortunate to, as I said, to have been around at a time when technology was going through massive revolution and the acceptability to technology enabled uh, people like myself um, and, you know, to take a you know, to take up those opportunities. And it also, um, I think, appealed to me um, from the perspective of being a young woman. Um, I was a single mother and I wanted to, you know, make my own way in the world. I didn't really have a lot of choice as it turned out at the time, Um, but I did. And I went on to become a managing director of of, a, of a, a small public limited company, which mm. uh, I was the last person on earth who expected that to happen. But, um, and that company uh, was called Aspen PLC. And I then, uh, along with my colleagues and the team of people, we uh, took it off the alternative investment market, also known as AIM, and broke it up and uh, sold large chunks of it. And one of the businesses within that group was Sparfax. And we... We put Sparfax, the world's largest provider of in-flight entertainment and media solutions. We coupled that with a fledgling internet business and also a publishing business. And we put those three companies and turned them into Sparfax Airline Network, which we then went on to sell to WPP in 1999. So that kind of period of my career was an incredibly steep learning curve, but also was when I first had my taste of working with extremely large clients, uh, such as British Airways, Ford, um, Bupa, American Express, all of those big clients, they were prepared to take a risk um, on, you know, because they knew that the world was changing and they wanted to be part of that change. And often large uh, agency groups in particular find it extremely difficult to be fleet of foot and agile, whereas entrepreneurs... Um, you know, who understand the psychology of how uh, large corporate global businesses work can, uh, and they can reflect that in their, um, their, you know, the way that they service clients and the way that they delight clients. If they can come up with the business development strategies and the products that can service those clients' needs and wants, um, in a very timely and effective way, they can become extremely attractive businesses and grow and become, you know, specialists in their own rights and global companies in their own right, which is definitely what happened with Sparfax. Um, but after Sparfax, I went on to really get involved in uh, more and more in technology, um, which has been where I've really been living for the last sort of 15, 16 years yeah. in terms of understanding the impact of tech on client businesses and how digital in particular um, has, you know, basically disrupted much of, of, you know, what my, you know, my, certainly what my childhood and teenage and student mm. years would have been experiences of. That, that's kind of, yeah, it's nicely leads on to what I wanted to talk about next. So you kind of made your uh, name and your, your profile as being perhaps someone who goes against the grain a little and very much being yourself and not uh, kind of just falling into line with uh, what perhaps other uh, senior execs might say. Um, so <laughs> That's a very polite and diplomatic way so, of saying things, Dad. <laughs> well, 
well, yeah, but, but I suppose my, my question leading into this is you've recently gone on record to say that the, the advertising uh, ecosystem needs a reboot. Um, yeah. what, why? Why do you think that? Well, I mean, I think like any uh, mature sector, what we saw and what we have experienced in um, in advertising has been a combination of uh, very bad habits emerging. Um, I mean, you know, I think one of the challenges that the big holding groups uh, certainly created for themselves and um, for their clients, but for themselves in particular, is they started becoming bigger than the clients. Mm. And that was, uh, and that kind of led, I think, to um, a sort of psychological change, a shift in groups. You know, sort of thought that they knew better than the clients in, like, you know, in a, in a lot of situations, and were trying to bend the clients to their will, as opposed to being service providers. They started actually being sort of purely, you know, almost like financial services businesses that were, you know, had invested in agency groups, but they acted more like private equity businesses as opposed to um organizations that were there you know trying to work out what the problems were and then design solutions for their clients it became much more solutions first and you know let's fix the way that we you know we sell this into a client afterwards and i think that caused a lot of conflict and has caused a lot of conflict between agencies and clients um, I think particularly, and so that was a, a, you know, that came over years of, of eroding. Yeah. I think the other big major issue um, has been the introduction of technology. And as technology took more and more of a place in uh, the, psyche, the psyche of um, how we manage complexity, because let's be honest, you know, pre, um, you know, pre-iPhone 3 and post-iPhone 3, mm. Um, are you know is really where we saw the the transformation take place because mm-hmm. as uh, you know the power of the mobile phone increased in terms of you know it was in your pocket and it enabled you to do an awful lot more as a consumer that consumer um, actually has become far far more powerful in terms of uh, what happens to a brand. And that has eroded uh, the very kind of ba- most basic sort of traditional advertising and marketing uh, principles around, for example, loyalty, brand engagement. Um, you know uh, that you know uh, 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 the fact that you could basically rely on and the you know, dependability of your your brand would be more important to a client mm-hmm. than, for example, price and so on and so forth and that you know we've seen particularly in the retail sector enormous uh crashing and burning for of many of of our high streets uh brands and names and and, and it's you know and the knock-on effect of that has also gone into the fmcg space as well as they have found it increasingly difficult to shape shift yeah. and if you're relying on a traditional agency model to be the advisor to think for you, I think that that in and of itself has become increasingly, you know, proven to be not be the case any longer, because the actual adaptability of those businesses and those agency groups has become, you know, has diluted yeah. as they themselves have, you know, learned less become more dogmatic about you know what they think is right and what they think is wrong and and, and to a certain extent i think we're now seeing a great big shift taking place amongst the holding groups and in the type and the psychology of clients Mm. who are taking 
and stuff in house, which you know, I mean, has always been the case. There's always been, um, in my experience, a lot of thinking has happened in house of clients, but there was always a dependability or at least a, you know, a, a, a requirement, a demand for uh, original thinking yeah. from outside of the organisation because that that perspective. And but what we're seeing is rather than it being you know, your agency that might be doing that thinking for you. Um, you know, we have a lot of consultancies now in the space. We've got individual consultants in the space. We've got, you know, um, we've got some really original outlier thinkers as well that are coming through. And I think that the the shape of organisation has fundamentally begun to change mm -hmm. because instead of it being, you know, like I go out and I find another box that I can plug into and they will then, you know, feed me through their API or whatever, we're actually seeing much more of these kind of um, um, uh, groups that will, you know, almost like hive-like that can be kind of created to solve particular client problems and look at, you know, perspectives of clients. You know, for example, I think Unilever are doing some amazing work in this space, working with a lot of very different thinkers globally mm -hmm. about how do we solve, you know, uh, problems around environmentalism. And, 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 you know, this is a perfect example of where you're seeing... Uh, an organization actually putting purpose at the very heart of its being rather than purely being a you know my share price must be you know that's the yeah. that is the number one focus so i think we are seeing a real cultural shift amongst uh, clients and in a sense uh to go back to the point i was making around you know the re the age the yeah agency world needs a reboot it's because in a sense they are now trailing the clients thinking and uh and that you know i i suppose is where you know although i am an outspoken critic of a lot of the practices i'm also a believer that the relevancy for agency and for marketeers has never been greater as mm. we face these uh you know what seem insurmountable crises that affect the world right now brilliant no, that's Fantastic. And uh, you've covered my agency questions nicely there as well. Um, so I want to kind of just move on to the uh, in more recent years, you've uh, kind of had this uh, executive coaching role. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm keen to know, are there from your experience and in going into businesses and speaking to execs, are there kind of common pitfalls that you're observing when you speak and listen to them? Um, and if mm. so, you know, how are you helping them recognize these pitfalls? That's a very good question. Um, I think that the main uh, point I would make to uh, all of my the people I've worked with and the companies that I've worked with, with regard to how coach you know how to coach or what what I'm key takeout I have from coaching is that you know no one gives you permission to do anything except you, <laughs> and that can quite often be quite a shocking revelation to people <laughs> because. Uh, you know, um, there's often a question that, when, especially when you get into a reasonably senior position, it's like, well, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. You know, I'm not really quite sure. Um, and now I am here, what do I do with it? Uh, and I think there is a sense of, you know, a disconnect between often when you're in a very senior position between, you know, the challenges that you face and where you, where you are headed and uh, how that works from the point of view of building a 
really powerful and high performance team around you mm. and also the other thing is about letting go you know of um of the baggage of you know ego in particular um i think that one of the biggest challenges that we have with leadership is the fact that you know people kind of go to one of two extremes they either think that you know i shouldn't really be here and i'm going to get found out mm. or they go the other way, which is like, I'm the only person in the world who can do this. And they get develop a, a, a messiah complex. Um, and clearly both of those uh, positions are, you know, dangerous for different reasons. So, um, you know, my coaching work is really about developing self-awareness mm. and uh, confidence for the individuals around you know their own capabilities and also the capabilities of other people uh, and their team you know and and different countries and in, in a lot of instances i work with uh people who run businesses that are in many different uh, regions of the world mm. and understanding you know the cultural differences and the motivations of of how we as individuals work and how you know and how we look at the world and the lens in which we look at the world through is a very fundamental part of realizing and discovering you know who you really you know who you can be and your potential for you know for realizing your own you know your own journey um i think that uh you know we I've been on the journey myself and I'm still on it and I feel very grateful that you know I was given the chances uh, and the opportunities that I have had in my career um, and you know I still believe firmly that the best is yet to come um, because you know you create your opportunities and yes I've you know I took a truth pill somewhere along the line mm -hmm. and uh, you know I'm the first person to admit that you know I've made some mistakes in my life but without a shadow of a doubt I've learned more from those than I have from yeah. the greatest successes that I've had in my life and it's about understanding you know failure is not something to be afraid of failure is actually something you should embrace and recognize that through failure and through success you actually appreciate both experiences far better and you know much much more about what you don't know and that's very important to understand how to optimize you know everything in your life and get the most out of it and i'd say well one last thing is appreciate the people who love you um because those are the people that really matter when it comes down to it so that's uh, brilliantly said and, uh, and and a great point to to wrap up on there. It sounds like a lot of what you're saying there um, wouldn't be too dissimilar to what you would say to someone who's just come out of university or something and is looking for their first graduate job. In terms of you got to you know kind of get to know yourself and you know know your strengths and you'd be brave and put out there. Is it sometimes a case of uh, execs perhaps haven't had that kind of self reflection for quite some time and it's mm. opening that up again? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, I think that fundamentally, you know, uh, I, I mean, I would love to say that most people leaving university really do reflect on what they want and what have you. And I mean, you know, and and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are lots of people who do. But often you're just like, you know, I don't know what I want to do and I just need to get a job, you know, because I've got a loan that I need to be paying off or whatever. And, it, you know, life gets in the way, you know, of, of all of us. I mean... Uh, that's why we lose con contact with friends that we might have had when we were at school and what have you. You know that we just we meet people we we don't think they're fantastic, but then the following day, you know, some crisis at work sets us into 
into the into the moment all the time. And I, I think there is a huge amount to be said for people taking time out to reflect. And when I said about, you know, going back to my point around about advertising agencies need to reboot, I think also individuals need mm. to take time to reboot every now and again and switch off and actually just focus on what is really important in their lives. Um, because, you know, your brain processes an awful lot when you're not actually conscious of it. But it's good every now and again to check in with yourself. Um, and it's a creating a facility for that to happen has really been, I suppose, why I got involved in coaching. Yeah. And I still really do love coaching people. It's one of the things that I get the most joy out of in my career. Mary, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I could have talked for a lot longer. Uh, but, yeah, brilliant. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.